0: Today's guest is Kendrick Haskins of Wave Three Sports and News Media. How you doing today, Kendrick? Doing good, man. Is- you know, before we started, man, you were telling me how you were off today, but you know,
1: realistically, you're never really off. You got to, you, you, you kind of keep your eye on what's going on. The older I get, the more I am off. <laughs> you just, you just got to turn it off at some point. But like it's says, I on my, on my off day, like especially on Mondays, I'm always doing podcast. I got my own podcast I do later tonight. I'm on with you, I'm like, like somebody else wants to do. I'm always pointing to Monday, and so <laughs> so yeah, I'm always I'm always going, I'm always doing something, which it's fine with me. I love it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it, so it's great. So let's start with
0: that before we get into the other topics. You got a podcast for yourself, right? So what's the name of that,
1: and uh, how did that come about? It's actually it's I do it with uh, two other people. It's called uh, I Believe in the ACC, and it's with the Noisemakers talking noise. So it's Lloyd Spence, the guy who's originally from Louisville, went to Western High School. He lives in Dallas now. A high been trophy winning quarterback charlie ward who you know also played in the nba nba, right. the NBA. good for you that's what's so up that stuff. yeah so right. it's the three of us it's an acc-based right. podcast and i like, it just came about i've known lloyd forever he, he he has his own little network or whatever kind of like what you building yourself and he was like hey i got this podcast i'm doing with charlie Ward. you want to jump on and i was like well hell yeah that's my guy i mean it's <laughs> Even when I was in high school, I mean, Charlie Ward was my, legitimately my favorite player to watch play football. And so to be on a podcast with Charlie and, like, to have a legit friendship with him now, crazy to me. But it, it's cool at the same time because Charlie's such a good dude. When I started this,
0: you know, like, I found myself starting to get in situations slowly but surely. Just like the situations you were just talking about with you and Charlie Ward, you're like, do I act like a professional or do I act like <laughs> the true fan that I am? Because you kind of find yourself at the cross. Crossroads when you're right. avid about sports and the athlete themselves. I still think Charlie's doubted as as the athlete though, even. You know what I'm saying? Like he was a baller too in the in in,
1: in basketball. People forget. And Charlie Charlie told the greatest story. So he's because we was asking him why he's not on those Heisman House commercials. And he was like, I was on a couple of them when they first started it. And he said he got mad at uh the reduction because he got there. So they got there to film, and at the same time they had the mascots there too. So he's walking in with his bags and stuff. And like one of the production people stopped him and asked him if he was one of the mascots. (laughs) You know, Charlie's not that big. Charlie might be my height. He's about he's only about six one. Oh, I'll be 6'2". like, nah, I'm
0: good. You, you can do this right. yourself. Jesus. Yeah, so Thanks. he was
1: bad. Yeah, he, he'll still do it. He was he's not saying he's not gonna do the Heisen house. Yeah. That situation made him mad. But the way he talked that is so funny because Charlie's funny. And but it is it is amazing how people don't realize how good Charlie was. I mean, this is a dude that was a Heisman trophy quarterback that had a long career in the NBA. Quarterback that was ahead of his time. If Charlie, the way he played quarterback uh back then came out now I mean, there's no doubt he'd be an nfl quarterback but he was a little bit ahead of his time because i mean you think yeah he's so, before michael Vick he's before Vince exactly Trump. i was oh, ready to say that you know yes. to go
0: from the best college player in his era at that time win a heisman trophy and to be a starting point guard slash two for the freaking new york knicks who does that right that's like right. that's like legit like movie like stuff if you know how hard it is to do, to dominate two different sports, there in my eyes, there was really there's really only been two other people, and that's prime time, and that's Bo. That's it. I mean, that's the list.
1: Not only did he play in the NBA, I mean, he was at he was at the Knicks when the Knicks were good, and you know, there's not that many years of that, and they had a loaded backcourt because yeah, I think it was Charlie, there was John Starks, there was Greg Anthony when he first got there. Derek Harper was still there. Was that when uh, Mark Jackson was there too? Mark, I think Mark Jackson may have, Mark Jackson may have been in Indiana at that point. No, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then but he uh, he played with Alan Houston. It's another one we give uh, Charlie mess about because we, we have a thing on the show, we call it a humble flex, and it's usually when Charlie says something. And so we got to talking about Alan Houston. And, you know, I've been around Alan Houston most of my life. Lloyd actually went to Ballard with him for a year, so he kind of knows Alan too. And we everybody around Louisville always refers to him as Alan or Alan Houston. But Charlie busted out calling him Al. And so... <laughs> He's like I, was like, I looked at Lloyd. I was like, he's like, yeah. I was like, you ever call him Al? He's like, nah. <laughs> so he had to hit Charlie with the humble flex. It's so funny because Charlie does stuff. He doesn't, I don't think he person. he like literally means to do a humble play but he just does little things and it's hilarious and he gets so mad when we hit him with that's
0: (laughs) funny like and i tried to uh my brother let's say he's my youngest brother i think he's like 24 and i had a conversation with him not long ago about like past quarterbacks and stuff he didn't even know who charlie ward was that just shows the age like look back just see what he did and it wasn't like too. like just proves like how great of an overall athlete he was he didn't just do a year or two in the NBA. Greg right. was, <laughs> was pretty consistent yeah, he had in a little,
1: the league too. He, he had some longevity. His daughter, Hope, she just committed to uh, TCU to play soccer so she's headed to TCU next year. So every show we've done, Charlie's always had on either Knicks or Florida State stuff. A couple Rockets because he played for the Rockets. Now he's got all his TCU stuff. <laughs> so, speaking, yeah,
0: speaking of Allen Houston, you know, I think that was one of him and Chris Lofton are probably the two biggest hiccups probably in the history of recruiting for
1: Louisville basketball in Kentucky basketball. Allen at least is legit. I mean, his dad gets a job at Tennessee, so, you know, he goes with dad, so you can understand that one. Chris Lofton, actually, I mean, you can kind of see it, I guess, when you look at the... uh, You think so? kind of look at the backcourts that UofL had and then how bad they beat them when (laughs) when he was at Tennessee, when UofL did finally play Tennessee in the tournament. I mean, he he was good. I mean, mean, there's no knock on Chris Lofton, but just the way UofL was built at the time, I could could see why he wasn't exactly a fit. Who was the guard's... uh, Refresh my memory for the guards at Louis That would have been, and a little of the fans don't like to hear the name, but Andre McGee, I think Sosa may have been at the tail end of that. I'm trying to remember the exact year. So I remember the year that they played. That in No, it was after Taekwon. Because the year that U L beat them in the NCAA tournament, it was Earl, that was the Earl Clark year. That was the year when they lost to uh Michigan State. Oh, so that was okay. the Earl Clark <laughs> T. Will character. Now, was that the same year Sosa?
0: I think it was his freshman year. Year where he like put on a clinic against Texas A and M.
1: Yeah, that was was that. That would that would have been before thinking that would have been before. It all runs together when you you get old like I am. (laughs) But it was somewhere in somewhere in that vicinity. I remember. So yeah, it would have been Sosa because Sosa was there. Yeah, because that was I remember that that Elite Eight game when they played Arizona. And uh-uh. um I when they when they beat Arizona to death and, and Sosa had the and one and he looks in the camera and does all that stuff during the game. So yeah, that was yeah, that would've been Sosa. I think Andre McGee was probably coming off the bench on that team. So and, and Jerry Smith. And yeah, Jerry Smith too. So I mean you can see why I mean It was just a, it was just a crowded
0: backcourt. So, I mean, that that makes sense now. When you, yeah, when you break that down, Kendrick, like that really makes sense. Like there was already, they already had it. So then you go, let's, okay, so let's switch to Kentucky. Like he's from the state. So like for me as a fan of Kentucky, but as overall sports fan of the sport of basketball from the outside looking in, you know, prior to like breaking stuff down like that, the tax of it all, it's just crazy that you let something like him go away. Cause okay, he might have got killed by Louisville. He definitely didn't really get killed by Kentucky. Yeah, so at,
1: at, yeah, at that point in time, that was a bigger miss by Kentucky than it was for Louisville. Absolutely. Kentucky was I think that was – uh, that.
0: that's when we had uh, Gillespie, right? every you yeah, say I think, that Yeah, I
1: think it was Gillespie at that point. Yeah. It's probably yeah, why no we thing. didn't get him
0: because I'm telling you, <laughs> if the man that was there that still should have been there at that time, Tubby,
1: probably would have had him. Other than
0: Cal and Ruff, no other coaches averaged the amount of wins consecutively per season. Tubby, right? And and what, I
1: mean, Especially because you never want to be the man that's replacing the man. Tubby did it, you know. He's replacing Rick, and he stepped right in and won that title. And like, you know, a lot of people like to say oh, it's Rick's players. I don't think Rick would have won a title with that team. Whether they're Rick's players or not, you the next man up still got to coach them. He's got <laughs> to right.
0: build his bond. Right.
1: It's not rolling the ball out there and just letting him play. I mean, because that team, it wasn't like the the '96 Kentucky team where you could legitimately just roll the ball out there because that team was so talented. That '98 team was. I mean, it was a good. Team that
0: was, 96 I think that was, that, was the by by, oh, that night, oh, yeah. would have beat them by double digits easy.
1: Yeah, when um, the 2014 team that was undefeated, they still wasn't as good as that 96. Team. <laughs> never, never. I mean, uh, think about it how
0: many How many NBA championships are off, off that 96 team? Two or three? Da got Did,
1: one, didn't Walker get one too? Which one Walker got one? And that, that's actually, two. Walker got, I think, Da and Walker were both on the heat when they got theirs. They, they might have been, yeah. Elk may have gotten one. Might be it as far as titles, but NBA Sharks. titles,
0: yeah, so you look at you look at that guaranteed two to three NBA champions, and not to say that the players from the 14 team that went 38 and one aren't having successful NBA careers. The longevity of the careers from the people off the 96 team in comparison to the excuse me 2014 team doesn't even come close. It's not even a think
1: Devin Booker's the only one that's been to the finals. <laughs>
0: Speaking of him, if I'm their coach. And I'm their GM. You better start building now, because players like him and Mitchell don't come to the organizations like Utah and Phoenix.
1: I think I, I think Phoenix has a better shot at keeping book than Utah does. Down. It gets to be more than basketball. I mean, Arizona's like just it's awesome. Utah's awesome and it's all right too. Arizona, I mean, you don't have to deal with cold weather. It's easier to get free agents yep. to come play with you in Phoenix than it is in Salt Lake. <laughs> so, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's just been the history of the league. It was, I mean, just the way they constructed with Rudy Gobert, he's great during the regular season, but he can be game planned out of the game off the floor postseason. And so what do you do with that. That's Donovan's second best player probably. Yeah, you can make the argument he's the third best player with Clarkson coming off the bench. I think the situation, plus you got Aiton and Phoenix. I mean, so you got, They got a good core, Phoenix. And so I, I kind of like where Phoenix is right now better than I like where Utah is.
0: Yeah, so what, what's what's some of the hardest things that you've had to report during your time so far as a reporter?
1: Luckily see, I work in sports, and so I don't have to deal with, with death as much. That's one, one reason I don't want to ever be in news, because they have to deal with that stuff practically every day i don't want to be the one that's calling up loved ones after their cousin daughter son whatever has just been killed or whatever in whatever way i'm glad i don't have to worry about that it's it's hard to do that type of stuff and so like really truly like it, it's weird because it was it was it was sad but it was still like oh my god i'm here moment uh muhammad ali's funeral be a part of that coverage that day that was it was amazing but at the same time it's, it's hard because you know this is this is one of my idols that's passed away. At the same time, just to be a part of that, it's like i like, this is, I'm here moment. You know what I mean? Adam, I'm out here doing live shots watching Will Smith's limo go by for my Ali's funeral. I mean, that was nuts. <laughs> so, but like hard, I mean, it's hard anytime you're covering like the NCAA tournament and the team loses. I was in the locker room the year when Kentucky lost to uh, North Carolina with uh, when Bam Adebayo and Aaron Fox are in there. Was that the Luke May shot? Yeah. Dude, like, <laughs> that's that stuff when it's the, when, the, when the, they're that upset that's hard it's hard to you know ask them about the game and they've lost they just lost they're still emotional about it that stuff is hard hard for us is like deadline stuff carlos dixon's fight i'm anchoring i'm by myself we have an 11 o'clock news it's 10 20 and the fight hasn't started yet <laughs> and it's all the way out of Iroquois Theater. <laughs> So they, you know, he thankfully Carlos knocked the guy out in 40 seconds. I was able to get in there, get in the interviews, and get. I I walked into the station with my suit in hand, 10:55, with nothing written. 25, but that's that's the hard stuff. Like the emotional stuff, much of that just because of sport. Most right. of stuff is somebody's season just ended. That's not the end of the world. <laughs> so that's that's the hard that's that's the hard stuff. Is just time crunches and stuff like that. Right. So
0: how many times have you been in those situations in your long tenured careers so far? in sports media where you literally roll up moments seconds before the um uh, the news kicks off and you just wing it now see when you've done something as long as that i don't even know if it, if you've done something as long as you have i don't even think you. if you're just like good at something time really doesn't matter you get what i'm saying
1: yeah it's a thing it's a lot of people i mean it's a lot of people in this business this have been doing a long time too that that would freak out in that situation. It's just my kind of like my personality. It's just I just don't get too paranoid about stuff. It's like, okay, it's gotta get done whether I I don't have time to be sitting here freaking out. It's gonna, it still has to get done, so just get it done. It's, I know how to work with the, the computer system and all that stuff to to do you know you know little tricks of the trade to do things quicker. Yeah, there was a time it was UK's bowl game. It was when they beat Penn State. Was that the Gator Bowl? It might have. It Whatever Gator bowl ball. it was, it may have been Outback. It, it was. The it, the was one it, the it was. It was one of those. I think it was. It was in Orlando. It was the one yes. in Orlando. It's a million bowls that they play in Orlando. They literally play like four bowl games in that same state. They do running up against the new. So, literally, I set my camera there. I got a few sound bites from the press conference, the card out, had another card in the camera. Asked a guy from another, from a Lexington TV station, just to keep my camera frame while I'm in there. I went in there and he recorded the rest of it for me while I was editing and sending stuff back for the 530, 6, 6, 5 30, 6 o'clock news. <laughs> I get back and the news director was like, how did you do that?" And I told him, "Like I had somebody else shoot the rest of the stuff for me." <laughs> like kudos to
0: that guy that that helped you. That person, yeah. you know, yeah. kudos for that person that helped you because in media, there's times where you situations like that present yourself to be in your shoes or that person's shoes that helped you. And you just got to do it. I mean, it's, it's one to of me, those things. It's an unwritten, rule, unwritten
1: it's, rule. It's one of those things like people don't realize because, like, you know, anytime you, you know, they, people see all of us together, you know, like Kent Spencer from HAS or John Lewis from DRB or whatever, people are like, oh, you all talk to each other? I'm like, I know, I see this person more or I see, well, most of my family, <laughs> most of my coworkers, you know, all the sports people, we're all together all the time. We help each other out all the time. Now, in the news side of it, it's probably, they don't, I don't think they help each other out as much. It's a little bit more competitive with us. We're all buddies. I mean, John Lewis, I mean, you you saw us. Kent. Yeah. Me and John, me and John Lewis are two peas in a pot. <laughs> and so me and him, <laughs> half the day spent laughing at each other. And then the same, it's like we all talk to each other all day. It's so we all help each other out all day. If, if we're both, at something now if we both if we've got something exclusive no we're not going to share that and and we don't share obviously we're going to work on certain stories of this that the other but it's like we're we're somewhere and like someone's camera messes up or they let's send it to them it's not that big a deal (laughs) it's it's, it's vice versa we we, we help each other out all the time it's good that we all have those relationships with each other to be able to do that
0: definitely is how has the brianna taylor thing affected you Seeing the way that stuff has been uh, viewed and looked at,
1: it's tough because you know we working in media. It's like you know everything's going to be scrutinized. Whatever you say, say it, don't say. And it's kind of a thing of where honestly we've got we've we've got parameters that we have to meet at the station as far as controlling what you say and what you don't say. It, it's it's hard because it's just as an African American in general to see see what happened and like you want to go out there, you want to you want to protest, but at the same time you really can't. <laughs> and so. Right. It's tough to weigh. It's tough to weigh that out. I think there needs to be justice. The payout that they she got, their family got, was good, but to me that wasn't enough. The city can't pay for it. They can't really afford much more than that because the city's broke. It's tough, and it, you know, it's you know, you read you read every you read all of the details of the story, and you still it still feels like there's more facts out there that haven't been released that we, we i don't think we're ever going to know 100 percent the true story it's tough and then I also look at you know police side of it and like you know i've got family members of the police officers that i, I know that they're good they're good cops i know i went to high school with a couple of cops and, and there's some cops in it I mean, you, you know, working in television, work, especially working in sports, you see police all the time at games, and so you get to know them a little bit at the games. Yeah. and I know a lot of good cops out there, but I also know that there are some bad ones out there, and I've had my experiences. I mean, I've shared this with a few people, and like, yeah, I got called the N-word by a cop. <laughs> yeah, I know the other side of it. I mean, I've been pulled over. My dad was a barber, and he was a real estate agent. He, he, you're a real estate agent. You have a nice car. So he had a cad- he had a white Cadillac. I was driving it one night, and going to Going to a club, I'm literally just driving around looking for a parking spot and got pulled over. Not doing anything. I'm Just looking for a parking spot. Got pulled yeah. over. Cop tells me to go home. And, and so I've dealt with that stuff too. And so I think there needs to be a lot of reform within the police department. I don't know what the answers are because I'm not a cop. Cops, right? It cracks me up when people are like, in general, and when when black people are asked how how to fix racism, it's like, well, we're not the ones who's, who's doing the racism. <laughs> it's like we're not the ones in charge of fixing police. The police got fix police. Racist people gotta fix themselves. We can't fix that for you. At,
0: at the end of the day, Kendrick, a person has to fix themselves in order to get the help that they deserve or they need. Because if you're not gonna help yourself, nobody's gonna wanna help you. Right? Get what I'm saying? Like, people... That could help you or put you in certain positions in life, professionally, non-professionally. They got to see you put in effort. They got to see you put the work in. And if nobody sees you doing that, nobody's going to want to put a hand out. You get what right. I'm saying? Prime, exa- prime example, like me and you, Chad, you know, I've put in work. So you get what I'm saying? Like, you're like, heck yeah. You know, you got to put in the work. People got to see you take yourself serious, no matter what it is you do in life. You know, for me, you know, you know, my cousin, uh Jan Atkins, you know, she's a, you know, blended family. You know, my oldest child, she's biracial. You know, so we're, we both have you know blended family. For me, it, it was hard. You know, my child, teenager, being biracial, or it's I couldn't imagine mentally what you what you go
1: through. You know, all you can do
0: is just be there, be open minded, be understanding as as much as you possibly can for a child or or an adult that experiences some stuff in life that you normally wouldn't. It, it, it's 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 a tough subject to talk about, but you know, sometimes tough things need to be talked about so stuff gets understood, you know? Um, I spoke with, you might know, I played in Indiana, uh, went to Dawes, uh, Isaiah Swos I talked to him a while back and he said, it's probably one of the toughest times that he's ever endured. You know, he said, but you're very limited to what you can actually say. One slip up, you're done.
1: Right, and like, that's, that was me too. It was like, it was incredibly tough thing. You're angry, you're upset, and you see everything with uh, Brianna, you see everything with George Floyd, countless other things. I mean, I go back to Tamir Rice, situation in Cleveland and that one still bugs me because basically the cops just pulled up and did a drive-by on this little kid and totally got off and it's like yep. <laughs> and I and, and, and it's time and time again where they've done where this stuff has happened it is it, it makes you mad it gets you you are angry and It's is how old and tired at the same time it's like it, it gets even more frustrating because you are restricted you gotta watch everything you say you gotta watch everything you know we got through it hopefully things will get better I mean at least George Floyd's murderism in prison but you know the the thing about george floyd regardless of how a person
0: chooses to live life or whatever they do no person deserves that like that's
1: oh no, that no. was the police, really the bad police job is not judge jury and executioner that's it, not absolutely that's not their job and like exactly like with well, the situation up in indiana this yeah she led the cops on a, Chase, whatever. She's in jail. Told her family that I think they're going to kill me if I if I die in jail. They did. She, she told her family that, and then she died. Her, la- her last name is Chapelle. Can't remember the young lady's first name, but she was she told her family she thinks that she's going to die in jail. Basically, she did. I think it was Jackson County. She was like 24, 26 years she was old. Under 20. She yeah, she was a young lady. A I'm, I'm guessing there was probably some medical issues anyway, but and and you know they'll try to lean on that. It's like they try to lean on medical issues with George Floyd. It. It's, it's 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 scary. It's still scary at this time for her to say that. And third,
0: if there's legit like audio of her telling a family member that, how can you, as a judge, condemn? You know, putting on trial those cops or parolees, whatever you want to call them, that were in control or around her of her passing in her young life. There's audio of that.
1: How could you refute that? But there's they're doing they're doing an investigation. Blah blah blah. I don't trust any of it. I never do. How could you? Right. Then I mean I hate to say it but They'll, whatever happened, we're not. We're never going to hear the full story, and they nothing's going to. I mean, why would I think otherwise? I hate to be like that. I Hate to be pessimist like that, but that's what it is. That's what we've seen. Yeah, that's what you're used to. Unfortunately, that's
0: what that's what you're used to. Funny story. So Chad Johnson, a good personal friend of mine, that played U of L and St. X graduate stuff like that, got me in contact with Ronnie because Ronnie needed help with something here in the city. And Chad chose me. I'm like, this, I just started this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> heck yeah. So I helped Ronnie on some stuff and uh, making some connections and part of my friend. He's like, these motherfuckers never call me. I got kids going to top schools. Why aren't they calling people like me? What people don't realize about Ronnie? As long as he's been away from U he's still top five in every single category in the yeah. university. Oh, Ronnie was a hell of a tight end. He was he was awesome. <laughs> he was so awesome. if you got guys, yeah, if you got guys like that that are wondering why. The head coach or any of his staff aren't calling him in Florida of all states. That just lets you know, like, where Petrino truly was at. You get what I'm saying? And I'm just using Ronnie as an example. In the grand scheme of things, there's no telling how many players, past, current, whatever, have the same sentiments. Like, you should be calling us. If you know where I'm at.
1: There's if there's a knock on what the U of program is doing right now, and it's coming out more and more, is that they are not doing a good job of reaching out to the former players because I'm here I'm horrible I'm, I, I'm horrible I, I hear from former players all the time they all talk about it and it's not just it's it's every sport it's basketball it's football not so much baseball because Dan McDonald built the program so they're all there right. <laughs> you know they're all around with basketball and football I hear from former players a lot and it's all the same thing U L needs to fix that and fix that now because when you've got the former players that they have and then and then like you talking about Ronnie down in Florida, U football program is built on the state of Florida because there was a point it was like when recruiting wise players were either going to Miami, Florida, Florida State, or U of was like the fourth Florida school at one point. At and that
0: time, back around that time of Teddy when Charlie Strong was there and then Lamar Jackson.
1: It's and like it's been weird because outside of Snellenberger, really the Florida pipeline, the only one or only coach that really kept that pipeline going was Charlie. And and I I don't get what they're doing there. <laughs> as far as that goes, I understand. Like you know, you're a new coach and you don't have you don't have those ties down there. But when when the university already has ties down there, you can re you can reach out and get those ties back. UCF and USF came up because Florida because U of L lost their grip on their recruiting them. And and that's, and, that's I mean I, you think but really you're not wrong though. You're no. not wrong. Look how that's many great fact. players played at U of L are from the state of Florida. <laughs> Well, it's because it's Schnellenberger. Schnellenberger started all
0: of that. I got a couple more things I want to touch base on on Stoops at UK. What are your thoughts on on him and what he's been able to accomplish at Kentucky?
1: I'm excited for Stoops because for one, he's he's a, he's a genu- genuinely nice guy. He's a good guy, and and that goes a long way with me. I like, and he, like you said, I you can tell by the way I talk. Like if the people are like legitimately nice to me, I'm, I give them I give them a little bit more rope. But I, I think he's doing a great job. He has to figure out offense. Because that offense, as good as Kentucky's been, that offense has been awful. I don't know. And like, they keep getting skilled players. And I'm like, how are they getting these skilled players to go there on offense when they all they do is run the ball? But they've got to fix that. Defensively, man, if I'm a defensive player coming out of the state of Kentucky or Ohio where his base is, I mean, Kentucky's right up there on my list because they're putting players in the league on defense at, a, at, a, at an alarming rate. I mean, they're putting the defensive players in the league. They are. Right up there with anybody in the SEC. They're totally building. I I like... The, um, I do like the patience that Kentucky fans have shown with Stoops because there have been some ups and downs that comes with building a program. I thought, I really do think Kentucky was really good last year. The SEC just hosed them with that schedule. It's just it's not going to show because of this insane schedule. <laughs> and right. so Yeah, I spoke with Nick
0: Roush of KSR a few weeks yeah. ago, and Nick was telling me how it's good, and we were talking about that, as good as Stoops is defensively, He's got to be able to allow his offensive coordinator to coordinate. And the history and luck, the bad luck that Kentucky has had in quarterbacks and offense, he's doing a phenomenal job with defense, but Nick made a good point. It Just don't get talked about as much because defense isn't considered as sexy as offense is, you know. And he, he made a good point too about Steven, Steven was just a bag of brittle bones taped together with duct tape. Hey,
1: they've got to figure that out on offense. Kentucky has been snake bitten with the quarterback position since Tim Couch. Think about it. And Andre Woodson was pretty good. Can you name another quarterback that was really that good outside of Couch Woodson and Lorenzen? No, no, oh, and like they're. The, their quarterbacks most of their high points have been when, when they've beaten Louisville. <laughs> so that they have they've been snake bitten the at quarterback and they've had some hyped up quarterbacks coming in that just haven't panned out. But I mean that that goes back beyond Stu. I mean that goes
0: back <laughs> oh, Absolutely. You know, so, but, but for Stoops to have accomplished what he's accomplished, I told Nick I, I want to on as long as he wants to be.
1: I was on if you remember Lachlan McLean, I was on his show years ago. It was back when he was at Lachlan, Yeah. I, I was on his show years back when he was at H.A.S., and I said that UK could win the SEC East eventually, and he thought I was crazy. If you think about it, they had a window a couple of years ago. They just weren't ready yet. Because you think about Florida was bad. Florida's been bad for about five, six years. They're, they're coming back now. But there was about three, years stretch where Florida wasn't Florida. Tennessee's, they're, they're as much of a dumpster fire as anybody in the SEC. Georgia kind of by default rose up. So really... There was a point in there where Kentucky could have slid in and won the SEC East. They just didn't happen. I do think it can happen. It's going to be tough now because Florida and Georgia are back to being Florida and Georgia. I do think that they can't they're no longer the bottom feeders in the SEC. They're middle middle of the pack in the SEC right now. And that's saying something considering the SEC. <laughs> so, Because, I mean, it's, it's like Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Auburn, LSU. And Kentucky is right there in that next tier behind five programs that are going to be competing for the national championship just about every season.
0: A- absolutely. You know, for me as a Kentucky fan, backstory, funny story, I used to be a little fan. I haven't told this story to anybody. How's that um, work? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. So Jeremy Johnson, <laughs> was a former basketball trainer of Louisville. I went to his, his parents on a daycare. I grew up in that daycare. And there were like night, night games. They weren't like big crowds. This is when they were in the Metro Conference before they was Conference USA. Dwayne Morton was there. I was at the game where he hit that half court shot to beat a big time team. That's how I became a fan was thought, you know, the relationship I have with the Johnson family, Jeremy being there on the, on the basketball staff. So that's how I was a little fan. First time I ever seen Kentucky play any sport by myself was in 97 when they played Arizona, and that still irks me that we lost that. Because people forget we could have had So that right there was the first game that I remember to ever watch by myself. Just me, nobody else. I've been a fan of (laughs) Kentucky ever since. So in my defense, I was cheering for Kentucky when they lost. So I'm used to Kentucky football losing. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) So I'm just being honest. So as a a true fan, to be able to have college football conversations and there be substance behind me as a Kentucky fan, there's no better feeling. I mean, to have nothing and to where Kentucky fans are at now as far as conversationalists and be able to talk about the sport of football and actually have facts and stuff to back you up as a fan, it's insane. And I'm forever grateful for what. Six is done. I mean no other coach in history has beat Tennessee or Florida.
1: But the other thing too, what a lot what has I don't think has been addressed enough is like with this transfer portal in college, players who are getting the short end of that are these high school seniors coming out. From the coach's side, why deal with this freshman when I can get this experienced college player who's a junior or a senior who's got another couple of years of eligibility that I don't have to develop I don't have to coach them as much as I have to coach a freshman. Absolutely. So that, why would you? And that's kind of the mentality but with with this transfer portal, which is basically college free agency, the top tier, the top tier kids are going to be the top tier. Kids. Next tier down, and then the next tier down below that, who are still D one caliber players, these coaches are looking more at transfers and they are at the high school kids. And so, like the high school kids are the ones who are getting the shaft on it. Why, so, if that's the case, why not come back to high school another year? <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe improve your stock, and now you, and you're more experienced, and the coach might look at you like, okay, you got a little bit more experience. So the yeah. like, whole oh,
0: one thing. That I will say that where people were, when I put it out there a few times as talking points on the page, people were beating down the horse of uh, injury, risking. But at the end of the day, every day you put yourself at risk. You put yourself at risk getting out of bed. I mean, everything's a risk. You never know what's going to happen unless you take a chance. You can't live in fear. So if it's something you want to do, something you're passionate about, your parents agree, or parents give the okay to do that, why shouldn't you? Plus,
1: plus I'm going to say, if... if Somebody coming back is because they don't have the college scholarship that they want, and so injury is not an issue at that point. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If yeah. they if they had the college offer that they wanted, you know, you know, was, was, worked best for them, they wouldn't be coming back. So, exactly. so the injury risk is as a moot point at that.
0: So what's your thoughts on the NIL? You know, I made a joke. Let's be honest.
1: Any school is going to
0: benefit from it the most. Right. It is Kentucky and specifically Kentucky basketball. Let's be real. That's
1: two schools. There's two schools. Kentucky basketball and Notre Dame football. Mm. At least one of them's warranted. Kentucky basketball is warranted. Notre Dame football. <laughs> Notre Dame not football yet. has not been legit good for like forty years. Kentucky basketball is legit. They're gonna benefit, and not only are they gonna benefit because they're Kentucky, they've got the perfect coach for it. John Calipari is built for this.
0: John Calipari is strutting around now like a mixture of Vince McMahon and Suge Knight. I mean, think
1: about it. I mean, he is built for this. I mean, they had to be licking their chops when this stuff came down. And, you know, Kentucky, they was way out ahead of it anyway. They were ready for it day one. There's a school, like you said, that's going to benefit from the NIL. It's UK. And I'm all for it. And I do think there needs to be a little bit more regulation just because I don't know what they're doing. I think one of the things you're going to see, too, and I talked about this with uh, Lloyd and Charlie, you're going to see some kids who are, like, not going to want to deal with all of it. It's a full-time job don't have to go to practice games, and classes, now you're throwing on this other layer, there's going to be a lot of kids that's going to be like, you know what, I'm good. And I I don't think people have taken that into account. I do think there's going to be, has to be some more regulations just because, you know, with anything like this, there's going to be a ton of shady people coming along, ripping these kids off for their money, and then we're going to be in the same boat, and it's going to get dirty. As far as it's, it's dirtier than it already is, I think there needs to be a little bit more regulation on it. But like, I'm all for it because it still irks me to a L game. I see all these Lamar Jackson and Donovan Mitchell jerseys. They don't get any of that. And I've always I asked Charlie. I was like, so well now, can you go back and get that money when they sell in 17 jerseys at Florida State games? And he is like, I, I think he he said that he has a deal where he can do it, but they have to. The players do have to legitimately have to. Talk to school and figure that out. I, I'm all for it. Go get your money, but there does have to be some regulations to watch all the shady characters that's going to pop up, because there's a ton of them. Oh, absolutely. We know you some them.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. But that can, stay, uh, that can stay away. You know, one thing that I will say is this. It's like, as good a thing as it is, let's just be honest here. Let's put it out there. Like, 95% of college athletes aren't going to benefit from it because – they're not big names. Not saying that they are not the caliber athlete or individual person themselves per se, whether it's a male or female athlete. Only realistically the top tier, top ten percent of the dominant athletes are really only gonna truly benefit from it. But no, I,
1: I, I you know I say though so I think a lot what a lot of people are missing out on too, it's gonna be some people are like, oh this is gonna be the basketball and football players and making them. No. You don't think that a U of L swimmer in the Olympics isn't gonna make a bunch of money? <laughs> Those sprinters at UK, you think they're not going to make a bunch of money? Right. You think somebody's not going to pay a bunch of money to teach their kid? <laughs> and so it's going to be a thing to crack with with people who are against it, which is, of course, coaches. That offensive lineman, he's going to be upset if he looks up and the quarterback's making up. No, he's not. They've been dealing with that all their lives. I mean, you don't think that the offensive lineman, when Lamar Jackson was at U of L, didn't realize Lamar gets more attention than they do. All right. <laughs> It's not going to be, the kids are going to be, are fine. I, I think where the problem is going to come in, and we talked about this too on our show, is the parents. The parents are going to be the ones that's going to be the mm. issue. I think the kids are going to be fine. You know, cause a lot of these parents think they're all of it, the, think their kids are all five stars, <laughs> even if they're a two star. That's where the issue is going to come in. Why is my kid not playing? You're not playing my kid. It's going to mess up his money. Blah, blah, blah. That's what you're gonna see. Cause this just you dealing with parents on my end, just on TV side. When we get complaints about coverage, why are you not covering this? Why are you not covering that? It's never the kids. <laughs> it's never the kids. It's the parents. And so if we're dealing with that on just just covers be it. That's what a coach is going to deal with with parents when it comes to actually making money that actually matters. That's where it's going to, I think the parents are going to be a bigger issue going along than the kids are. Before we end this, if you could give one piece
0: of advice out there to anybody, what would it be and why?
1: For young, for younger people, I would say find something you like doing and do that and do it because you love it. Don't do it going into it make, thinking you're going to make millions and millions of dollars because I know people, hey, my girlfriend right now, she makes more, way more than I do in this miserable. <laughs> yeah, there's things that get on my there's going to be things that get on your nerves about anything you do. Do something that you love. Because I had I, once I had somebody tell me when I was in college if you do what you love, then you never work a day in your life. And 100% true because I do work. <laughs> but right. I love it. I love what I do. I love love being able to do things like this with you. I love where this job is taking me. It's just taking me places I never could have imagined. I mean, I've been to five Final Fours in a row. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> I mean, you know, gotten to know know people that you know. What I'm saying I looked up to watching uh, play sports, like doing my podcast with Charlie Ward. One one of my good friends in the world is LeBradford Smith. Like, like when I was a kid, it was like one of my favorite players to watch. And like, now I can make fun of him and be a fat. And so it's like, like things like that is like what i love because i love doing it don't be miserable. try to find something that you're not going to be miserable at when you're young because a lot of people just have jobs there's a difference between someone who has a job that they're just working nine to five blah, blah blah and someone who has an actual career because the people who have yep. their careers love what they're doing so find something yep. that you love to do whether it's whether what we do or whether it's coaching whether it's art whatever it is do it and attack it and with the love that you have and, and attack it with passion and then you, you will reap the rewards, whatever they may be. more for me, it's like I said, just doing stuff like this with you and me and like having a with people. And, then, you know, having, and, you know, just people that, you know, look at me and be like, yeah, I, I know that dude's a good dude. That's my reward. And, and like, I don't even, I don't even enter into like Emmys and stuff like that. I never do that. I don't care about that stuff. Just, <laughs> just having relationships and like, right. just being passionate about what you do we, Find something you love doing and be passionate about it and the rewards the rewards will come with
0: it. Kendrick, I want to thank you for your time, sir. I look forward to always. chatting with you again soon. Um yeah. before we go, where can people find you at on social media? I'm
1: at Kendrick Haskins on Twitter. My IG, I think I'm Haskins, Kendrick on IG. Just type in Kendrick Haskins, I'll pop up. <laughs> and I'm on Facebook too. Just Kendrick Haskins. Just just, just hit me up and, and I'm always one like if you got something going on, hit me up and you know it, I'll promote it. <laughs> I'll tweet it out, I'll put it on my Facebook page. I'll put it on IG. I don't care as long as it's something legit. I'm I'm all with it. So I'm always looking to help somebody out and I love doing it.
0: Andrew, thank you, sir. Take care and I'll be chatting with you again soon, man. right man. Looking forward to it.